And welcome, everybody, to episode 37 of the Regression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. And you couldn't get rid of us. They couldn't get rid of us, Keegan. You could try, but you won't succeed. Keegan Thompson, first podcast of 2023. First podcast since the 2022 fantasy season has ended. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm 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 missing fantasy already. You know, it's such a fun season. Obviously, covering it adds another element to it. But I, I'm missing it. You know, the games just didn't mean the same to me in this week 18. You, you're telling me you didn't get up for Panther Saints. You weren't super pumped to see uh to see Sammy D take a take on Andy Dalton for the battle of seven and ten. You weren't juiced about that. No, and you know, I don't get fired up about Falcons games and watching Tyler Algier have a rookie breakout towards the end of the year. Like, there's nothing to get fired up for anymore. I love how Drake London just decides to be an alpha when, when it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's all Marcus Mariota's fault. Let's be honest. We'll, we'll look back at the season and we'll forgive Pitts once next year comes around in week five. He's balling. We'll, we'll remember what Marcus Mariota did to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Yeah, when we do our year-end fantasy jail segment, Marcus Mariota or Mariota, um, the man with nerve damage in his throwing elbow, who was so bad he got benched, and then he proceeded to quit the team. That man, Marcus Mariota. You're right about watching these games and you know not caring about the outcomes, so to speak, outside of a couple fun playoff positioning matchups. I'm not gonna lie; it's been pretty nice not having to grind the waiver wire. Even though I feed for it, I love it. You mean you don't miss deciding whether you should pick up Chris Moore for a, a, spot, a spot start or not? No, I don't miss that. I don't miss that. I just, it's kind of nice. I kind of feel like, you know, my season's over. I get a little bit of my time back. Obviously, super pumped to be recording here with you today and excited to share with our listeners our plans for the rest of the season and we transition to the offseason. But it's a, uh, it's nice to have the time back. I think I was telling you this. I, I'll enjoy it for like a month. And then after that, it's like, all right, I'm ready to get back into it. I'm ready to uh, sweat some Sundays out and uh, shit talk the boys. I mean, like, what else can you ask for? <laughs> There's nothing sadder than the fantasy group chats dying in between Super Bowl and like rookie draft. And like, they just go radio silent with like maybe some free agency news in between and like coaching changes and that's it. Or you just like, have a fantasy basketball league and you're kind of just cobbling it together trying to make it to april trying to make it to may <laughs> uh but fantasy basketball does not hit the same it just doesn't um but i'll be doing some playoff best ball i don't know if you are and then obviously doing some dfs too during the playoffs so i'll stay active i'll stay sharp but not having to wake up uh at seven in the morning to see who got dropped and who got added for waivers and who else is available, calculating how much fab I have left. It, the stuff that I Man. love doing, but it's it's nice to have a little bit of a break from it. Yeah, I'll miss staying up till like twelve thirty AM Tuesday nights, watching the waivers go through and just grinding that with my eyes halfway open, looking at my phone, refreshing <laughs> the ESPN app. Like, why oh, isn't man. this loading? It says waivers process at twelve AM. Oh man, you're you're wild for staying up late. I'm uh, up at the five in the morning, up at six in the morning, check the waivers. I mean, hey, my as long eyes, as you're my, getting an advantage on your league, you know, eyes open, immediately grabbing the phone. I don't have a problem. You have a problem, okay? I don't have a problem. <laughs> you have a problem. 
Um, for today's episode, first and foremost, we just wanted to share our thoughts on the ongoing DeMar Hamlin situation. So we took a pause from recording last week, really out of respect and solidarity with DeMar Hamlin and his family. We didn't really know much about his health, his status, and what the outcome of this has been, obviously, and kind of a miraculous turn of events. The CPR administered on the field last Monday saved his life, and he walked out of the hospital today to go home to his family. I mean, what just an absolutely bonkers turn of events. You and I were texting when it happened, and it's hard not to speculate. Obviously, you want to be respectful, but seeing the looks on his teammates' faces, you just thought the worst. You're like, did the yeah. did it just happen? Did the thing we've all been deathly afraid of happening on a football field happen? And it and it did. And it was terrifying. It was scary. It was jolting. You know, you and I are football fanatics. A lot of people that listen to this podcast are football fanatics too. We all follow this game. You and I are trying to cover the game. And sometimes we lose sight that humans are playing the game. And though they're playing to win, they earn an income. They're playing for our entertainment at the end of the day. And you and I throw players in fantasy jail. We, we rage players that you know, drop a touchdown, fumble on a key drive. And it's fun. Like That's what we do as football fans and content creators. But at the end of the day, these are humans. They have families. They put their lives on the line. And that was a reminder of the DeMar Hamlin situation. And it was pretty eye-opening. And I'm just so happy he got to go home. And looks like he's going to be able to live his life. So I'm just really grateful for that. I know you had some thoughts on it too. <laughs> kind of rambled, but what were, what were your thoughts on how all that went down? Yeah, I mean, we we texted throughout that whole thing. And obviously, I mean, I watched it happen live. And it feels like a a freak accident that, you know, you never expect. And it, it's weird. We, we see... We see injuries happen all the time, right? And we see people, you know, tear ACLs or, you know, have a shoulder knocked out of place or, you know, break a foot. And, and it happens all the time. And these players just go out there and take a couple minutes to collect themselves and, and go back and play the game. And, you know, this is just a far more serious event. And like you said, you can see it on the players' faces. Like you knew something wasn't right. And it like, it, it brings you back to like being a human. When, yeah. when you see something like that happen, because like you said, we watch this for entertainment. You know, they play, you know, football players say this all the time. They, they play a child's game for a king's ransom. And the injuries it, itself that you see are so terrible in football all the time. And they just go out and they keep doing their job and they keep playing for like the people's entertainments and for their paychecks. And like for, for the first time in a long time in sports, like the world stopped and remembered, you know, for for once that like this, these are humans and it, it brings us back to like our core existence. And you, and you worry about somebody you've, you've never met in your life before, right? Like you worry about DeMar, um, and his status and you, and you begin to think like the worst could be happening. And all, all you care about in that moment is him being taken care of. You don't care about football anymore. Um, the players didn't care about football anymore. Like everything stops in just that moment of time. And it's so weird to 
get shell shocked like that when you you look for football as like escapism and it's meant to you know make you feel better and give you an outlet and it's something you enjoy to watch and then you know out of nowhere it shocks you and and we see these things in the news all the time and like bad things are happening in the world and like it's not supposed to happen in football it's not supposed to happen where you you go on Sundays to relax right it's, it's just emotionally jarring um and outside of that, you know, it's it's crazy to watch people have to deal with it in real time. I mean, shout out to the broadcast crew, you know, shout out to Booger, shout out to Schefter, shout Brian out to Clark. the Brian Clark, yeah, Brian Brian Van Clark Scott Van Pelt. I mean, God bless those people for being put in such a strange and unique situation and like handling it with such grace. Like I thought they really carried like football fans through through the rest of the night. And, you know, shout out to the medical staff and the yes. people and all of the paramedics and everybody who handled that situation with such grace and made sure DeMar was okay. And obviously now we can talk about it more freely. And, and you and I talked about this. We didn't want to speak on it until things were cleared because like, we're not experts, you know, we're, we're very new to this and it's like covering something that's completely out of our realm. And this is a fantasy podcast. And like, we kind of like, I heard big cat say this on like the PMT podcast, like they know their role, right? As people who are here to entertain, give you a break from your work world. Like, you know, we're, our, our goal is to like bring you fun fantasy football content and we're not here to jump in and speculate on news or anything like that. So we just really wanted things to calm down. And it was like such a, a harsh reminder that this game we love is violent and the game that we care so much and are passionate for is like very brutal sometimes. And it brings us back to kind of like that core human existence together. So I'm just like, I'm shocked at what happened and I'm just like so happy that Tamar Hamlin is okay. And you know, what, what, what a football guy, you know, as we wrap this up and make it positive, like <laughs> yeah. all he cared about was who won. Did we you win? Know, like just ultimate football guy move. Did we win? Right. Like, and you know, his family said like they wanted them to go out and play as soon as they could because you know, that's what Tamar would want. So yeah, just an all around crazy moment. And like kind of, it, it's weird because the NFL is now, you know, come together and it sucks what it takes for the NFL to do the right thing. You know, it took such an extreme moment for the NFL that gets a lot of crap for how they handle player safety and yeah. just handle players in general. And like, that's their core product is the players, you know, and, and I think the NFL has handled it, you know, pretty well within reason, but it, it sucks that it took something this far for them to step up to that. But, you know, just, just wrapping up. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy. He's okay. It seems like, that Naheem Hines moment returning amazing. the opening kickoff like a week after was like amazing storybook, right? I mean, that's you couldn't even write that better in a movie out of Hollywood. And it's just what a great way to like give the players a sigh of relief right off the bat. Like, no, like, I relief. They were opening play <laughs> they were crying. Houses. You had Sean McDermott literally just crying. He's like, yeah, these guys are just straight up crying. It was like, it was so surreal. It, like Tony Romo was choked up. Like him and Jim Nance get to call that. I think they're two of the best announcers. Naeem Hines is traded midseason. It's just kind of crazy how that all works out. That Naeem Hines is the one who catches it, houses it for tomorrow in front of those home fans. And I think one of the more special moments in NFL history is when Damar Hamlin, I don't know if it'll be this week or next week, he's going to go to a game at Orchard Park. He, he's going to be a at the stadium, right? I mean, he's not going to play, of course, but he's going to be in the crowd. Yeah. And they're going to put him on the video board and yeah. the Bills are going to win by 30. 
I don't know how else to phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just uh, good luck team with that. Team of destiny for sure. Good, team team good, of destiny vibes. Good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with playing uh, the Bills in their home stadium when DeMar Hamlin gets put up on the on the uh, board. The crowd's going to go insane. But that had a storybook ending. And, you know, that ending's still going. I mean, it's still being written. That story is not over. That story is still being written. And at the end of the day, you said it best. All that matters is DeMar's health. Damar gets to go home to his family, gets to see how many millions were raised for his charity. It was just kind of like a remarkable coming together. And it's rare where this country is, is, you know, it sounds cliche, is unified around a singular thing. And regardless of your background or who you are, outside no, of yeah, the, you, you're right. It's not even cliche. Like, outside of the goofballs who thought the vax killed him. Outside of the goofballs in our Twitter mentions who thought the vax killed him. Um, <laughs> Or the Vax sent him into cardiac. Yeah, that's arrest. a that's a whole other podcast episode. Yeah, we we're we're not covering that. Regression to the mean, we're not covering that. For the most part, it really brought this country <laughs> together, which is just kind of a surreal moment. And very grateful that Demar got to go home to his family. We wanted to get that off our chest and talk about it. It took us a week. Again, we're not trained media professionals. We didn't get up here and be super emotional and just like call Roger Goodell the devil because he. <laughs> Because that's what it felt like for a little bit because uh, the five-minute delay of game thing. Who knows if the NFL was lying about that, but it's probably in our best interest for us to not get up here and speak on that. Outside of that, yeah, week 17 did happen. The fantasy championship kind of happened. <laughs> um, I had yep. to end up yeah. splitting a pot with somebody and was co-champion because I was up 23 or 4 points and he had Josh Allen and, and Devin Singletary, so he's probably going to beat me, but I end up winning. So we end up splitting the pot. You had to concede in a brutal turn of events. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're going to win. It doesn't look down, great, but like you had down a shot. 40, I had Diggs and Higgins. I was hoping for a, a pot split at least or something that was more 60-40, but I just straight up conceded and took you know 30% of the winnings. I had a league where um, I was commissioner and you know, the guys just agreed to be co-champions and their game was like basically tied and one had Higgins and one had a quarterback and somebody else and, uh, or in Dawson Knox going, uh, and like, they just, they split the pot. Very interesting to see how like the fantasy community, um, handled that situation. I know a lot of people split pots, a lot of co-champions. I, I, in our league, like you said, I just conceded. I took the second place, got a little extra on top of my money back. So, you know. A weird end to a, what was, I thought, you know, a very fun fantasy season. Um, and an odd championship week, too. I mean, my championship game was so low scoring. Even with the missing players, like if I would have added in their average points, it still would have been a really, really low scoring championship game, like 100 to 100. And I saw a lot of those scores around. But the fantasy season is over, Sean. And the fantasy it, and season's season over. It was. The fantasy season's over, and your last main prediction for the fantasy season was that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans would both go over 100 yards. That was your prediction, and it happened, Keegan. Keegan, you've been on the bandwagon. Mike Evans was going to do something. You've literally sent Tom Brady to fantasy jail more times than I think is is healthy. Like At this point, maybe you should be addressing <laughs> that to your therapist, your hatred for Tom. And what do you know? The boys in Tampa Bay, Florida, Tom Brady and Mike Evans go absolutely nuclear in week 17. So 
again, we haven't revealed the perfect line every week 17. This happened over a week ago, but I think it's fun just to recap it. Tom Brady had 37 fantasy points. Tom looked pretty good. If I were a Cowboys fan, I uh, I don't think I'd I be super be juiced. Nervous. I wouldn't be that super juiced. Oh, you win 12 games? Okay, now you got to go play the GOAT in his home building. I know they only win eight games. I don't think they're that good. But in a must-win game, Brady was actually holding on to the ball and just hucking it. And um, uh, Tom could still toss it. Tom had 37 points in Week 17. Daniel Jones stole all of Saquon Barkley's points. If you started Saquon in the Fantasy Championship, Danny Dimes had two rushing touchdowns, finished with 37 fantasy points on the day. If he uh, goes into Minnesota and beats the Vikings, Danny Dimes is going to secure the bag. He's going to secure it. Your running backs, it was the story of your studs. It was the PPR monsters that had gotten you to the fantasy championship. Austin Eckler finishing with 32 fantasy points. CMC finishing with 31. I, Banged I, up. I low-key hate that Austin Eckler cares about fantasy so it's much. It's incredible. Like, he I love came it. out and talked about how much he, he understands like what championship weekend means. And I'm staring at a blank slate of fantasy championship, looking at my opponents, Austin Eckler, and just knowing I'm getting 30 bombed because he cares. Like he legit cares. And it's almost like when you watch him play, like he's fighting for extra yards wants in on the touchdowns even if he's banged up i'm like god dude get this guy off the field man he's the man eckler is the man eckler was supposed to lose touches this year keegan he's 27 he's gonna be off the field as much he's not gonna score as many touchdowns nope nope he finished his rb1 on the season austin eckler fantasy legend it's kind of uh, assumed the mantle that Alvin Kamara had, in my opinion. And then Christian McCaffrey. You know? What just an incredible football what player. What can you say about him? I just love Christian. I really do. I This is week 18, but it was like a third and six. They split him out wide. My man runs a, I think it's a, a curl route. Um, Looks like he's like a X wide receiver running it, like a perfect curl route. It's just like that's that's the guy who plays running back for this team. So Christian McCaffrey, absolute superstar. You know, I thought I thought being traded to the 49ers was going to hurt his value, right? I thought it wasn't he supposed to go down being on the 49ers. Wasn't that that's, wasn't that's that the what narrative? I say? Hey, Sean, listen to this. With Christian McCaffrey and Eckler like leading the fantasy boards, right? You know, a, a huge part of this is their, you know, their reception ability and and re- ability as wide receiver. Austin Eckler, 107 receptions this year. He scored 107 PPR fantasy points just from catching a football this year. I mean, that's just it's a recipe for success for those two. I mean, the damage they do on both parts of the game is incredible. How many targets did Austin Eckler have this season? 127. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> That's insane. And, and McCaffrey had 108 targets this year. It's insane. Um, I, I did some like fiddling around. Like Austin Eckler is still RB1 in half point PPR. And he's like RB2 in standard because he scored like 18 touchdowns. Austin Eckler's the man. He scored 18 I'm, total touchdowns this year. Yeah, he's he's the man. Uh, this is a pro Austin Eckler podcast. Yeah, it's funny. Austin Eckler and CMC finishes finish at RB1 and RB2, and they're RB1 and RB2 of Week 17. That That's pretty cool. 
the wide receivers that headlined just a bonkers week 17. Of course, Mike Evans doing his best Alvin Kamara, throwing up 48 points, over 200 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Mike Evans finishes the year with another typical Mike Evans season. It was a little topsy-turvy to get there, but he finishes with like, what, 1,200 receiving yards. He was like wide receiver nine. He cashed. He cashed. Uh, (laughs) It it wasn't always pretty, but Mike Evans cashes. Another guy who cashed this season is Devontae Adams. So Derek Carr uh, gets sent home, and uh, Jared Stidham actually starts in the fantasy championship against the San Francisco 49ers. And you and I kind of disagree on Stidham. You, you're not seeing it. I think he's a backup quarterback, right? I think he's played well enough to show that he should be on NFL roster. But when I watched that game that he had against the 49ers in Week 17, I shit you not, he was the luckiest quarterback I've seen play all season. He didn't get sacked once because literally every time he was in the grasp, he's like just throwing up a prayer. My man is getting straight up speared by Hufunga and throwing 30-yard frozen rope touchdowns. It was a wild performance. And he came back to earth against the Chiefs. But Devontae Adams, it didn't matter who's throwing him the rock. He finishes with 34 fantasy points on the day. I don't really know how to rate Adams next year. But, I mean, he's got to be in your top 12. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Devontae Adams finishing with another fantastic season. Brandon Ayuk with 26 points on the day in the Week 17 Fantasy Championship. Ayuk goes over 1,000 receiving yards this season. Catches like... One of the guys I liked. The week how two. many how many touchdowns did Ayuk catch this season? Like ten. He had he had such a great. Does he he delivered on his hype in a very crowded offense where Christian McCaffrey's catching ninety balls and George Kittle catches eleven touchdowns. Wild season for the 49ers, of course, but Ayuk very consistent all season long. And then you know Dalton Schultz leads all tight ends in the fantasy championship, but Trey McBride promising rookie out of Colorado State for the Arizona Cardinals, scores 20 points in Week 17. It's kind of an oddball performance. I, I wanted to recommend him on the podcast and on, on that streamers article because he had a really great matchup, but I just couldn't do it. I was like, Trey McBride stinks. <laughs> like, or not stinks. He's, just, <laughs> he's a rookie. He's not getting a lot of run. You know, It takes a while for rookie tight ends to figure it out. And then I was watching him this past week against the 49ers, and I texted you this. I think Trey McBride's going to be good. So he's someone we can talk about definitely this offseason and argue about. But a wild week 17, it already feels like that happened three years ago with how much has already happened in the NFL. It's just crazy how fast you can just bury something when a new week rolls around and new storylines roll around. And a lot of great storylines in week 18. And... I mean, I think the funniest thing that happened in the past month is definitely... The Texans blowing the number one pick. The Texans. Lovey Smith on his way out. Just going for it. Finger to going for McNair. two. Going <laughs> yeah. for, for Cal McNair. Rest in peace, Air McNair. Cal Steve McNair. McNair. Yeah. yeah. RIP, um, Steve McNair. Middle, yeah, a middle finger, Cal McNair and the McNair family, who are the owners of the Houston Texans. What did Davis on Mills have? On his way out. Davis Mills had multiple fourth and 15 plus conversions on a final drive. Yeah, a fourth and 20 conversion on that drive. The Houston Texans should have been taking notes for what the Indianapolis Colts did because the Colts pulled off a truly spectacular tank. That is, they're going to write that in the history books. Bring in a coach who has no idea what he's fucking doing and then just bench your quarterback who might be able to win you a game or two 
And that's a recipe for for going like one and seven down the stretch and securing a top five. Fake pick. a Jonathan Taylor injury. Tinfoil Tim hat. hat. <laughs> Tinfoil hat. I don't know that he didn't look. All right, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna. Yeah. We're, not gonna we're not gonna push. We might do well, conspiracy let's, let's corner talk about the later. Texans here. Real, what are they doing? Real quick, what are Texans they doing? implications with this because blowing this is is bad because obviously the Bears don't need the first pick in the draft. No. They don't need it. They have their quarterback of the future with Fields. Well, actually, they they're going to convert. They're going to convert Fields to wide receiver and draft Bryce yeah, Young. Yeah, that's exactly. that's the plan. So that's, that's if Aiden so Holler. Now, that's his plan for the Bears. Aiden Holler. H-O-L-L-E-R, Aiden Holler, that's his plan for the Bears. Convert Justin Fields to a running back wide receiver than draft Bryce Young. Okay. What were you saying? What do you so what do you do if you're if you're the Texans? Because if Bryce Young is your number one quarterback, you you're not gonna get him. Quarterback needy team hops to one. And if Bryce Young is your number one graded guy, you do you settle for Shroud. And I don't think that's that bad of a They're gonna take Will Levis. Draft, like, why, why is everyone expecting it? That the Texans are rational. They're going to take Will Levis. I don't know what they if were going to take. Will Stroud Levis number one Young overall. To the Texans, then they're doomed. They, they were going to take Will Levis number I one just, overall. That's the most Texans pick you can make. That is, just, that is an all-time bad move. Yeah, I mean, Will what about Levis the, is what about Zach the, Wilson vibes. To be honest, what about the safety? Well, at least Will Levis played some real players in college and. Oh, the safety that let the ball go yeah. through his hands? I mean, I was like, oh, interception. Davis Mills' third interception. And then Jordan Akins. Jordan Akins looked like Rob Gronkowski. I didn't even years. think he thought that ball was going to get to him. I, I, We see this stuff every couple of years. Like, the Jets win that meaningless game against the Rams to lose out the Tre- Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Like, that was insane. Yep. The 49 49- the 49ers have a meaningless win against the Rams at the end of the season. Colin Kaepernick's last game in the NFL. And instead of getting to draft Miles Garrett, they draft Solomon Thomas. So, like, teams, like, this happens, it happens. every yeah, once in a while. It, but it, it's pretty egregious. And you nailed it. Like, a team is going to hop in front of them and ideally take, like, Bryce Young. Or they have to then trade up and give up assets. Yeah, or they have to be the ones who trade up. And they don't have the assets to give Chicago what they want. It doesn't be- it doesn't benefit Chicago to be at number two. And Chicago wants probably a player in the trade, most likely a wide receiver that can help Fields, or somebody who can impact the defense like right away. They have a lot of holes on their team. I can't speculate on what they'll want. But they want a player, and they probably want a couple picks out of it as well, yeah. including your first round. They don't want to go back to two because that's the quarterback spot. One and two should be quarterbacks, whether it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, like the Texans bone themselves. If you have Bryce Young graded number one for you, like good luck. You know, you're you're at the will of the Chicago Bears now who run the draft. Because it, you, you know, you blew it. You blew it. You should have just fired your head coach. You should have just fired Lovey. Like if you know but that's the thing, you know, like people Lovey's, don't really tank. Well, the, the Colts did. It was spectacular. They created a formula. I know, Hire a coach. Tank is what I'm saying. Because that's sure. partly Davis Mills, given, his, given it his all in his last game. He might not be a Texan next year either. Why, you know, it's not why, like your players playing, don't go out there and tank. You're playing a guy that you're like plotting to replace. So obviously he's going to be highly motivated. And if you're about to fire Lovey Smith, of course Lovey Smith's going to put a middle finger to you on your way out. Like, of course Lovey's going to go for two. Just And what's hilarious. funny is the Colts could be the team that that trades to that number one spot. Colts could be somebody that does that. 
I mean, we've sent Jeff Saturday to jail and Jim Mercer to jail several times, but if their master plan was just a tank, I'm taking Ursay out of jail and I'm putting him on a pedestal because what a tank job. Like, and it might work a, out. Like I said, they hang might a banner. be the ones who trade to number one. Hang a banner. <laughs> hang hang a banner. banner. <laughs> All-time choke job. You should just put Jeff Saturday's uh, record um, outside of the Texans just blowing a, a wild game to the Colts. Aaron Rodgers goes out sad. I think what a huge bummer is, is, and a lot of people have talked about this, is the NFL scheduling, too, to have the uh, Seattle Rams game occur before this and, like, affect, you know, the potential outcome uh, for the Lions, at least. And honestly, I'm glad that Dan Campbell coached the game the way he did. Like, they easily could have been like, whatever, like, now this doesn't matter, but fuck it. That's they sent Aaron Rodgers home with them. I know. That's it not was awesome. Campbell, I mean, man. good on the Lions. And what a win for them. Like, that was a fun game to watch. But I feel for Rodgers a little bit. You know, people give Rodgers a lot of crap, but I feel for him. Not the season he wanted. I don't know what was going on with him and the Packers, but that, that feels like it could maybe be the last of Rodgers in Green Bay. I don't know. His contract is massive. I don't think they're trading it. So either he just retires or he stays a Packer. His season was but, fine. Yeah, he thing, wasn't though. He, he wasn't MVP level, Rodgers. Like, I posted it on the Twitter account. He he made some pretty special throws in week 17. And he oh, made some dude, pretty he made special throws, throws in week 18. Honestly, throughout the season. I mean, yeah, he, he's still clearly got the arm talent. He's not as mobile as he used to be. He throws more interceptions. But, dude, I think Watson's going to develop. I think Romeo Dubs is going to be better next year. I don't know. I, I, I think... If you give him more of an alpha wide receiver throughout the season, he can be pretty solid. I don't, I don't see him getting traded anywhere. His his cap hit is massive, and he just signed a contract. So either he's going to retire, or he's going to stay a Packer and make bank. I, I just, I don't, I don't think he's. Gonna I know that that's the hard thing with, with Rogers' decision is like he like does this every year. Like retirement's on the table for him. It's not just like will he get traded or does he want to play in Green Bay? Like just does he want to play football at all? You know, he's forty. It's a it's an odd situation. He's, he's 40 now? He's 40. The, the pack, I thought he was he, right under. I think he just turned 40 or he's about to turn 40. I think he'll be 40 by the next the start of next season. Like, the Packers need to fire their defensive coordinator. I wasn't very impressed with, with what they did all season. Like, they have pretty solid pieces, and they, they should be a better defense. Not having an alpha wide receiver, though, like, definitely hurt Rodgers this year. As good as Christian Watson was late in the season, like, Alan Lazard is not a true number one, I don't think he ever has been. And, like, what what do you do if you're the Packers then? If Rodgers does stay, you have to trade for an alpha? No, or you draft I think, somebody finally. No, I, I think Watson's the guy, dude. They literally went on a massive win streak the minute Watson emerged in this offense. And he's only going to get better, and he had help. I know, but I, I still think they could get more. You know, they, they, they can get more to that team, you know. They, they could. I'm a big fan of Christian Watson, and... He could be better. He could have played better, but overall, as a rookie, considering his health issues, how raw of a prospect he is, I think he pops next season. But they probably need more of like a traditional slot wide receiver. They probably could draft another wide receiver or, you know, add someone in free agency. But they're card capped. They have like 10 million over in spending. They need to cut players. Like they might have to cut Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, oh gosh, I was thinking of what the casualty, the roster casualty will be of it. And it yeah, it could be Aaron Jones, yeah. and then you just roll with Dylan. 
or like David Bakhtiari. They're going to have to cut some of their best players just to make make Rodgers' salary work. It's almost in a weird way. You get rid of Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers retires, and you just kind of roll the dice and see what you have with Jordan Love. Like, you know, the grass isn't always greener, but it could be exciting for Packers fans. I don't know. I, probably not. But yeah. It's, it's something to definitely think about. Outside of Rodgers going out sad and the Lions biting kneecaps and Jamal Williams just being the best. His Naruto reference. Evan thing. Silva. Shout out to Evan Silva. Evan Silva established the run, cashed his 150 to 1 ticket. His 150 to 1 ticket. 50 to uh, 1. For, for, for Jamal Williams uh, to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. He's had 17 rushing touchdowns, over 1,000 rushing yards, too. So I, I didn't think he'd be a thousand yard rusher in 17 rushing touchdowns. Has a very emotional post game interview. Jamal Williams seems like one of the more genuine spirits in the NFL. Very happy for that guy. Happy for the Detroit Lions. You know, we're they're big. They're gonna be Dan so fun next fans. year. They're they're gonna be fun, man. Jamison Williams is gonna be unleashed, and uh, I'll be curious to see if dude. They I was so close to getting that right, Sean. I was so close to calling a JMO touchdown. I think I owe you 25 bucks. You do. We'll, we'll roll it into another bet. But the the amount of restraint that the Lions have shown with Jameson Williams is remarkable. Like, really remarkable. They, they are really just like, we're not going to get this guy injured. We're going to play it safe. Like, he moves at a different speed, a different pace. He makes yes, the fastest he, men he in the world look slow. He's a different type of athlete. He makes the fastest men in the, in the world look slow. I would have. If I were head coach trying to make a playoff push, he would be a full-time player. So good good for them for showing restraint coming off the ACL. Definitely good on them. Um, some Sounds rookies. like a perfect time to talk about some other rookies. Yep. Some rookies, yep, man. Some rookies, some rookies with some major milestones. You had uh, Kenneth Walker go over 1,000 rushing yards. Is what a full-time starter for like 12 weeks. And he missed like... Yeah. That's Two a games. massive capitalize on a situation type season for him too. You know, with the early RB injuries for Seattle, yeah, and Rashad he made Penny the most of his down. opportunity. Rashad Penny, yep, and he made the most of his opportunity, and he had a couple big burst games too, like two games over you know twenty five or something like that fantasy points or twenty. You know, he he was a pretty good. Well, he had those big year, runs. Just like he had those around. big runs. Yep, and then he got hurt. So basically, Kenneth Walker got hurt halfway through the year. He jammed his ankle, and I think he was dealing with some back issues. And he basically was managing the injury for the rest of the season. And he still had like three 100-yard rushing games on a bum ankle. I think he finishes the year at like 4.8 yards per carry. He had a really good season. Obviously, Brees Hall would be leading this segment, rushing for over 1,500 yards if he hadn't gotten hurt. But Kenneth Walker, really impressive season. He is somebody that at this time next year, I would not be surprised if we're talking about him as RB1. He just has that kind of talent. He plays on a team that's dedicated to running the ball. Kenneth Walker is somebody I will be prioritizing heavily heavily in drafts next year. Same with Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier, what, the sneakiest 1,000-yard season uh, a rookie running back's had just in a while? Just so quiet. I mean, this... This is a dynasty pick for me, too. And this is like, I know like what your college profile is. And I know, you know, like every down back at BYU. Not sure if it pops in the NFL, but I mean, he ends the year with 1,035 yards on 210 attempts and finishes with 4.93 yards per carry. 
He only really found efficient. the end zone three times rushing um, and only one receiving, but super efficient, almost five yards of carry in a split backfield for a lot of the year where they're running two to three running backs. I mean, what a great year for Tyler Algier. This is like, this is a good running back case study though. Cause Tyler Algier is like right in that weird dead zone of like can be replaced in a draft, maybe a year or two from now. But I think he earned himself, you know, some play time and a solid roster spot next year. Cordero Patterson's only getting older. Like, I really like the way he finished the season. Like, good for Tyler Algier. That'll probably be a committee next year. If they even draft another guy in the third, fourth, fifth round, I wouldn't be shocked. It's not going to phase me. I think Tyler Algier has a similar It just gives season. me Michael Carter vibes a little bit. But I thought he finished really well and gave himself a case to be the starting running back next year. That's for sure. But I think Algier profiles more to bell cow than Michael Carter does. Where Michael Carter's more of a specialist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm more not talking about the profile, just yeah. more about, like, you know, draft capital, who they are, and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, who knows? Not, B. John Robbins. Sure. Like, the Falcons take B. John Robbins or something crazy. Um, <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah. But I, I think Algier is somebody who will have competition next season but wouldn't be shocked if he gets 250 carries and goes for over 1,000 yards again because they're going to be a run-heavy offense. He's going to be efficient. Great running game. Like, Arthur Smith clearly knows how to call up a running game. So oh, he'll yeah. be somebody I think they lean on next season. Great, like, RB, like, zero RB draft capital type player next year in fantasy. No doubt about it. Yeah. Easily somebody I, I, you pick like up it. in, like, the 8-9 round that you're like, you know, maybe you go here or RB. That's, that's definitely the type of player, but... Eight, a couple nine, good running back be, seasons. I wish we were talking. Eight, nine, you you never know. I mean, you just have to see how the board shakes out. Yeah. I wish we were talking about Brees, but talk about a year for rookie wide receivers. Olave, this class was Garrett Wilson. Good. Yeah. I mean, those two. I mean, Dotson had some splash moments. Pickens finished the year strong. Obviously, Olave and Wilson highlight this class, but there were some some good wide receivers in this class. Um but Chris Olave, man, I mean, before we talk about Garrett Wilson, what a awful situation for him to be in with the Andy Dalton at quarterback and a Saints team that just looked off all year, and he still eclipses 1,000 yards. You know, the same argument can be made for Garrett Wilson, but to be QB-proof in your rookie year and eclipse 1,000 yards and, and look like an offensive rookie of the year type talent is, is super impressive. Like, I was very, very impressed with Chris Olave this year. He didn't even play like a full slate of games. He was injured for like the back half of the season. And like, I don't have the advanced metrics here on Chris Olave, but his yards per route run, his target share, his air yard share, it's all very elite. Like, he's in very, very elite company. I think Chris Olave is going to be a elite wide receiver in the NFL. He doesn't really look like it. Very right? He's good. Kind of unassuming. Just so good. He is really impressive. I think Garrett Wilson's better though. Like full stop. Garrett Wilson was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this season as a rookie. Again, big wide receiver, big season for young wide receivers. You're playing in a league where CD Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown have emerged. You already have Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, just pure studs that are super young. But Garrett Wilson, man. What a freak. Is he going to be this generation's DeAndre Hopkins where he has just absolute goofballs throwing him the rock and just no, getting no. 1,100 We'll get our QB yards. situation figured out. 
We'll get our QB situation figured out. But yeah, I mean, he wraps up the year with 1,100 receiving yards, 83 receptions. He got 147 targets this year. I mean, they Beast. love Garrett Wilson. And and he finishes as a wide receiver, too. I think both him and Olave finishes as, as wide receiver twos. Olave is right on the edge. He was the 25th wide receiver in PPR. But Garrett Wilson finishes as the 21st wide receiver in PPR. So both wide receiver twos like or Olave fringe, just impactful fantasy players right off the bat. Doesn't matter who their quarterback is. They were basically good all year. Minus, I mean, Garrett Wilson had more spike and down weeks than Olave did. He was a bit more consistent on a week-to-week basis, but the talent profile is there. And Ohio State just pumping out wide receivers with these two. And they got another Wild. one coming. We we will be talking more about JSN. I was texting you about Smith uh, Najiba. I was like, this dude's Amon Ross St. Brown. He's literally an Amon Ross St. Brown clone. Uh, other notable rookies, Damian Pierce was like 60 yards away from 1,000 yards in 12 games. He was great. He was great. He was kind of a meme because he kind of blew up and people overdrafted him a bit, and then he came out of the gates pretty hot and struggled when his team just started to give up. It'll be curious to know how the Texans approach the running back situation next year. But Damian Pierce looks like a starter in the NFL. He, he looked pretty damn good for like half the season. He is hitting home runs. He was... He was special, Vince McMahon meme. <laughs> Outside of Damian Pierce, Drake London, 30% target share on the season as a rookie. Doesn't really do much with it because of Marcus Mariota. And the fact that this is a low passing off passing volume offense. But what's one lesson that we learned this year, Keegan? Remember, A.J. Brown wasn't going to be good this season because the Eagles, they run the ball too much. Oh, well, it turns out A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith were both fucking top 14 PPR wide receivers. So regression happens for individual players and regression happens for teams. They're going to have to throw the ball more just because regression in mathematics tells us that they will get closer to the averages than they were this season. So Falcons players are going to be very depressed in drafts next season, and we'll be talking about them a lot over the coming months. Lastly, the rookie quarterbacks. I'm Kenny Pickett looked pretty solid down the stretch. Pickett. Man, I, I think I was wrong about Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I was completely wrong. I just have never thought he was like a legit, legit NFL quarterback. But I'll say he's impressed towards the end of the year. He, he really came on. He had a brutal stretch of three games against like the top eight, three of the top eight teams in the league, both defensive and offensive. And it's tough matchups. But, you know, post by, he, he looked really good. I mean, like Kenny Pickett looked like an. He looked like kind of a guy sometimes. Long-term guy? I don't know. But not a bad way to end the season for small hands, Kenny Pickett. I I was pretty impressed with Pickett this year. I, you know, he wasn't playing in like a real offense. Like, I think Matt Canada and the offense he runs with the Steelers is, is pretty bad. I don't really like it the way it's designed, I don't think it really capitalized on the strengths of this offense. And just given the fact that they threw him into the fire, didn't give him a whole off season to practice. They gave him like the toughest rookie schedule you could ask for. And then he goes on this really hot streak and wins them a ton of games. They win nine games and he was quarterbacking for what, six or seven of those wins. So yeah, kind of a weird year for him, but I think he he's been pretty damn solid. I think, the other top rookie in this draft is actually Brock fucking Purdy. And like, I'm not saying that as a meme. I'm not saying that as a homer. 
Brock Purdy is on pace to throw 37 touchdowns in a season if this was played over a 17 game. Sean, like, can I read you the tweet I sent you last week that you're like, wow, this is a tough stat. What is Brock it? Brock Purdy in six games has more passing TDs than any Jets QB in a season since 2019. <laughs> Brock Purdy has 13 touchdowns and like five starts. And again, t- what do we know about touchdowns? They're hard to predict. Regression indicates that he's not going to throw two touchdowns every single game. It's Shanahan, man. It's, it's all Shanahan. I don't want to take anything away from Brock Purdy. I think he's played really well, and he hasn't had that complete pumpkin moment. But it's Shanahan. It's got to be the Shanahan offense. I mean, he just picks guys off the street, and they come in and light it up. Like, Let's not forget, Nick Mullins looks like a legit NFL starter in some games, too. I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying, like, this has happened before. I don't know how to properly evaluate Brock Purdy. Playoffs will be a good litmus test for Brock Purdy, but I'll give him some props. What a way to end the season for the Niners. He's carried by, by the fact that Brock. He's carried by the fact that he has Chris McCaffrey to throw dump offs to and just make three yard dump offs into twenty yard touchdowns. And he's carried by the skill position players. But the guy He's smart is, because he targets Kittle. He's really He's really smart, dude. He runs the offense like perfectly. I, I don't really know what to tell you. I, I didn't see this from Trey Lance. Trey Lance looked really like shook. It looked like it was way too fast for him. Yeah, and he has like no idea what's going on because he doesn't have any reps. So maybe if Trey Lance gets a thousand reps in Shanahan's system, it's like he's a superhuman, which I think actually proves the concept right that if Trey Lance had actually gotten to develop that he could be doing stuff like this in this offense because Brock Purdy's doing it. Tough situation. You guys don't have time to develop a quarterback. You have a Super Bowl-ready roster all around. Like, you can't... It's really tough to, like... I'm not but saying... we are Jack developing one. Like, like know, Brock Purdy know, is but... developing. What This is what people don't understand is, like, it, they're treating him like he's Jimmy G. This guy's gonna get better. Like, he's going to get better as a quarterback, which is kind of crazy, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how to really make of it because he, co- he comes in... And he seems like a full-time veteran. Like, he seems like he's been playing in the league for five years. This this guy's a seventh-round rookie. It's just kind of surreal. Well, four-year starter at Iowa State is better than a one-year at North Dakota State. Like, no offense to Trey Lance. I understand he has this, like, prolific athletic profile. But four-year starter at a Big 12 school is is not bad experience to have before you go into the NFL. I know he's Mr. Irrelevant, but... He's got reps, like real game reps. And Big 12 is a whatever conference in the grand scheme of NFL talent, but it's good reps. And yes, like you said, he runs the offense. He does what is asked of him. And and boy, does he target the right people with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. I Either way, I keep waiting for the bottom to fall out. I keep waiting for Brock to turn into a pumpkin. He has a couple moments where he doesn't make incredible plays, but I mean, I think he's played better than Jimmy Garoppolo. At worst, he's played like exactly the same, which is just kind of insane. Um, which is all you guys need right now. But I, but I digress. Interesting rookie class, very wide receiver heavy. I like the running backs. The quarterbacks are meh. When Brock Purdy's probably the best quarterback in the draft so far, it's definitely uh, weird, weird, weird QB yeah. class. It'll be much different for the class that we cover in a couple months. I thought it'd be kind of fun. We've been going through our perfect lineups week by week. Thought I'd give you the perfect lineup for the 2022 season. Actually, you know what, Keegan, you want to give it? Keegan, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'll your go name, Let's let's go, Keegan. Come on. 
Let's go. Yeah, we got to we'll, put we'll you to work, man. Let's see who who, who you got here. Got so here? you the quarterback one on the season, Patrick Mahomes, you know, four hundred twenty eight fantasy points, and he finishes with averaging twenty five point two points a game. I mean, weren't you supposed season. to not? Weren't you supposed to not draft Patrick Mahomes because they just traded Tyree Kill? Tyree Kill. What a what, freak he we, is. Weren't we supposed to find out that Patrick Mahomes really wasn't that good because he wasn't playing with Tyree Kill? Like, wasn't that supposed to happen? He's so I special. Think, right? I hope I hope people appreciate him, and I I know they'll get sick of seeing the Chiefs in the picture all the time, as all sports fans do. It's it's the the winning syndrome, the Warriors, the Patriots. You get sick of teams who always win, but I hope we appreciate Patrick Mahomes for who he is. Another so great good. season from him, you know. Um, honorable mention. Obviously, we talk about Jalen Hurts. You know, if he doesn't get injured, he actually might finish as he's QB one. Yeah, he's one QB1. of the top. Um, well, he was QB one yeah, on a points I mean, per he, game basis. He was twenty seven points. Per yes, game he was to Patrick Mahomes twenty five. Something to note. So shout out to Hurts, um, best, the best pick in the draft. Right? Would you say Jalen Hurts is the best pick in in the draft? Six round Jalen Hurts, or would you say one of these other guys? Yes. Yeah, no. Best, best value for points like added to your fantasy team throughout the season. Where are you drafting him? Jalen Hurts has to be yeah. the best pick of the 2022 fantasy draft. Easily. Sixth round Jalen Hurts. Um, That's, you're not going to be able to. In the you, fifth next year. You are not going to be able to take a good quarterback past the fourth round. If your league is sharp at all, like Justin Fields is going to go in the third or fourth round. Like, go in. Yeah, the, things are going to change next year in, in fantasy football drafting. Uh, that, that's go for get sure. your quarterback. Go get your quarterback. That's all that matters. If you're not playing in a Superflex league, even if you are, they go first overall, right? But look at the drop-off. Geno Smith was QB5 this season. He averaged 18.7 points per game. Patrick Mahomes averaged seven more points per game. Just you had no chance. You were dead on arrival. All right, now on, on to the next position scheme. Uh, running backs. So we are headlined by Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Austin Eckler finishes the season with 372 points. Um, he averaged 21.9 a game. We talked about this in the beginning of the episode, just about you know how many points he's getting off receptions, over 120 targets, you know, catches 100 balls. I mean, amazing season from Eckler with 18 touchdowns. CMC goes through a trade, switches teams, still finishes as the RB2 and has 356 points this year and averages 21 points a game. I Does thought he was going to get damage hurt. with receptions, gets 85 catches. I thought yeah, he was going to get hurt. Don't draft Christian McCaffrey because he's injury prone. But you draft Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor doesn't get hurt. Yep. Right? You don't draft CMC, he's going to get hurt. Austin Eckler gets hurt too. Jokers. Absolute jokers. All right, sorry, Keegan. And then our early pick for both of us that will probably be the 101 off the board in 2023 fantasy drafts is Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one, 368 PPR fantasy points and averaged 21.7 points a game this year. What a disappointing. What a season. That championship performance was brutal. I don't, I was riding high off the Jettis train and I don't think it'll impact me too much in terms of what I make my decision in the first pick in the draft, Justin Jefferson, but kind of left a bad taste in your mouth a little bit. Where Austin Eckler, CMC, does. absolutely it, delivering. This man, Justin Jefferson, had 2.5 PPR fantasy points in the championship. I know that is, that's just not how you should I'm draft. That's not how you should draft. Yeah, Kirk was so bad in that game. It's not how you should draft, so it's irrational. But me being an irrational person... In, in bits and pieces. You'll remember like, that. 
Yeah, it sucked. I know you'll remember that always. It sucked. <laughs> on to the next one. And then your next wide receiver, so wide receiver two on the year, is the guy that everybody faded and let him go to the second round because he changes quarterbacks. We're not sure about his new quarterback. It's not Patrick Mahomes. Well, Tyreek Hill finished with 341 PPR points this year and averaged 20 points a game. And, and basically had an, another Tyreek Hill season that he's been having in a completely different offense with a three different quarterbacks. quarterback. And it's not Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he played with three quarterbacks throughout the year. I mean, this is his highest fantasy point total. since I'm looking at it right now. You know, since 2016, his second highest points in a season was 334 in 2018 with Kansas City. He finishes with 347 points this year. And he catches 119 balls this yeah, year it's on the 170 targets. He has the receptions. He was so highly targeted. You know, he's had like crazy 14 touchdown seasons, right? But it was just an absolute monster in PPR on volume. Absolute monster. 1,700 yards this year. I mean, what? Wild. What can be said about Tyreek? I mean, he'll go in the first round next year easy. And then Devontae Adams rounds out wide receiver three here with 335 points and averages 19.7 points a game, gets to play with his college buddy, and kind of delivered on a great Devontae Adams season for fantasy purposes. And, you know, I know the Raiders season didn't go as planned, but Devontae had, you know, a pretty spectacular season. This is his second highest yardage total in his career with 1,516 yards. Um, Last year was actually his highest with 1,553 yards. Finishes with 14 touchdowns, averaged 15 point one yards per catch had 180 targets wild it was actually his uh lowest catch rate he's had in a season uh yeah 180 targets and caught 100 balls yeah he actually had his lowest catch rate he's had in a really long time which is interesting i we'd have to dive into the stats a little bit more was he running deeper routes was his quarterback just not as good Devontae ran a little hot this season it took injuries to hunter renfro and darren waller to like really concentrate the whole entire offense through Devontae and through Josh Jacobs. But Devontae answered a lot of his haters' questions. He really did. He he had a really spectacular season. Got to tip the cap to a future Hall of Famer. And then another Raider makes this list with Josh Jacobs. Um, wow. You know, kind of in our flex position here, but 328 points. Averaged 19.3 points. You know, just two points shy of what the other top running backs were averaging per game in a contract year. You know, they don't give him the fifth year. He goes out and just bell cows it up, proves that he is not only one of the best fantasy players, you know, but one of the best running backs. And I said this earlier in the year, he is the best pure running back in the NFL right now. Did you, did you just, see what Nick Bosa said about him? No, I don't know what he said. That's the best running back I've faced in my career. He is. He is. I said this early in the year, and I know you you kind of agreed with me, but you're kind of also I like, I thought it was oh, like, I mean, the breaks a little bit. I've been a chief Josh Jacobs hater, and he had a good rookie year, and then he had kind of so-so sophomore and junior year campaigns. But he's been pretty banged up for the past couple seasons. This is his first healthy year he's put together. Since his since his rookie year, and I mean his sophomore year, he was the RB eight in PPR and RB eight in standard. Had twelve yeah. touchdowns, a thousand yards. He scored but a ton of touchdowns. His... He was buoyed by touchdowns. This season, he averages four point eight yards per carry, and he 
gets over 60 targets. So it's back, it's back to back season. And he has 1600 yards this year too. I mean, he was just a beast in every aspect of the game. He was, he's only 24. He's only 24. Josh Jacobs is only 24 years old. I think he's going to stay with the Raiders. If Tom Brady goes to the Raiders, Tom Brady peppers his running backs with targets. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, man. And then, um, so this is where points start dropping off, but still the best tight end of the year, of course, is Travis Kelsey. He finishes the year with 206 fantasy points, averages 12.1 fantasy what? points no per, per game. No way. You have that wrong. You must have done that on I'm standard. looking at it right now. You did that on standard. No, this is, is this standard? Oh, okay. This is standard. There's no way. Let me go to PPR here. Travis Kelsey. I was way off. points. 316 PPR points. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was oh, looking Travis at the standard Kelsey points. was one of Average, the best players in all of fantasy. Averages 18.6 points a game. And then here's the drop-off. The next best tight end on the year was TJ Hawkinson. Average 12.7 points a game. So a six-point-per-game differential and only put up 215 fantasy points this year was TJ Hawkinson. And that's your number two tight end on the year. Do you know who finished as tight end number two in standard? Who? Evan Ingram? Taysom Hill. Oh, no. It's standard scoring. Taysom Hill was tied at number two. TJ Hawkinson finishes tight end two, 13.3 points. Then actually George Kittle, tight end three, 13 points. But 306. George Kittle was tight end three on a point-per-game basis and scored 181 points. Kelsey scored 306 PPR fantasy points. If you play in a league with a tight end position, he's probably the most valuable player in fantasy. And nobody else matters after that. Everybody nope. else is just dust in the wind. Nope. He is the most valuable um, player in fantasy. Your number one kicker is Justin Tucker. Chalk. Uh, New England Patriots finishes the best defense this year. Um, I, I didn't really have that on my, my fantasy board, and that kind of got lost in the way. But who, who really gives a shit? They scored about nine touchdowns. Defenses? They scored nine touchdowns. Yeah. Kyle Duggar more had touchdowns like four. than Jets quarterbacks did they, this year. Oh, man. We, we don't need to that, insert the sad trombone. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, man. that is your perfect lineup of the 22 season, 2022 season. Patrick Mahomes, Austin Eckler, CMC, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Travis Kelsey, Justin Tucker, New England Patriots. What a, what a season, Keegan. What a season indeed, Sean. It's kind of chalk in retrospect, isn't it? We, we spend all your debating on who the best player is going to be, and it's just like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams. The only person who's not Justin chalk Jefferson. in this is Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. Josh He's Jacobs. the only one. Josh Jacobs had a really phenomenal season. Anytime you score over 300 fantasy points, it's a big deal. Keegan and I have our way too early top 12s, but we're going to hold on to them. We're going to do our own separate episode with that, and that's going to drop next week. And then also, we're going to cover our lessons from the 2022 season. This is stuff that we learned that we're going to pass to you. Mistakes we made, things we learned. Make sure you're not making these mistakes next season, and we're getting you prepped for 2023 drafts. Keegan. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Just a heck of a season, Sean. Heck of a season. Enjoyed talking about this. I know the rest of our episodes and 
the future content will all be based on 2023 rookie stuff. Rookie and stuff. you know, the season is now behind us and what a great season it was, Sean had then, a blast. And then we're going to have you covered. Keegan's actually going to join our Friday episode with the generates. He's going to get everybody in order. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we're going to be recording once a week throughout the rest of the playoffs. It'll be a good time. And then, We'll just be covering our favorite betting angles, favorite bets, super wild card weekend. I, I agreed to go furniture shopping on Saturday, which is during the 49er game, which is um, fantastic. Honorable. This is fantastic. I agreed to do this like a month ago, not knowing that the 49ers would get put in the worst playoff slot. They got the 1 p.m. playoff slot. Well, you're not going to put Bills, Dolphins in that slot. That might be Skylar fucking Thompson. But, I mean, the Niners are going to be favored by, what, like 12 points by the time that game kicks. So, I don't know. I do not know. All right, Keegan. You have a Sean, good rest of your you evening. You have a lovely rest of your evening. Ah, beat you to it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be talking to you soon.